So for the next little while here, we're going to continue our journey, our, our Bible series, through the biblical narrative. Now, if you've not been with us before, maybe you're visiting today because of baptism, or maybe you're just happen to pop into the Lighthouse for the first time today for other reasons, I want to just give you a background. We've been taking a journey through what we call the Bible. The Bible means books. It's a collection of books. It's actually two collections of books, the Old Covenant or Old Testament writings, and, or the Hebrew scriptures, as we call them. Now there's the New Covenant or New Testament writings or the Christian scriptures. And these all bound together into a collection. We've been journeying through the Hebrew story for the last year now. And uh, we left off last time with the story of Solomon. And uh, some of the weeks are, are stories and some of them are just kind of nerding out on what's in the Bible in an overview way. And for those of you who like to nerd out on, on structure of the Bible, you like those weeks better. A lot of you like the story weeks better and the application there. But today has to be one of those nerdy out weeks, okay? So yay for some of us. Good news, back to story next week for the rest of us, right? But anyhow, we got to do this as we journey through because we're going to come to a book in the wisdom literature section. The Hebrew writings start with the law of Moses or the books of the law. It moves into the historical writings, which are very interesting. And then there's books of wisdom and poetry. And we're going to examine one of the books of wisdom today in the Old Testament. Now, backstory is that um, Solomon, we saw his story last week. Solomon, as a young king, said, God, I cannot do the job in front of me with my lack of experience and, and uh, giftings that I, I, I haven't developed yet. God, I need wisdom from you. And in asking God for wisdom, Solomon did something incredibly wise. He didn't have wisdom, but he knew he needed it. And one of the first, the, the most important things to start a journey of being a wise person is to seek the things that wise people seek, and to desire it. And Solomon sought wisdom before he had it, and he asked for wisdom, and that was wise in itself, and it brought him down the path to where he was known for. In fact, I want to read a few verses that we did not read last week to get us started. In 1 Kings 4, 29, it says that God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. There are three words in that verse that I want you to see, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And those words, like they might sound redundant, like the writer is just using a thesaurus to throw a bunch of, of uh, you know, synonyms out there, but they are not the same word. Knowledge could be considered something that you learn. It's just facts. It's like going to school and you go to math and you learn in geometry, the postulates or whatever they call those things that you have to learn that I forgot. And then, or you go to English class and you learn the eight parts of speech, you know. That's knowledge. Understanding is understanding why or how that knowledge works. It's that next level. But wisdom is the whole, wisdom is solving the problem. Wisdom is applying it. It's taking that knowledge and, and solving the algebra problem or writing with those English rules and, and writing effectively. It's the application of the knowledge and understanding that brings us wisdom. Now, um, God gave Solomon wisdom and it was, it, was, it was impressive. It says in verse 30 that, in fact, his wisdom exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. In 30, verse 32, it explains that he composed, Solomon composed some 3,000 proverbs. That's a lot. Proverbs are like short little sayings of wisdom. 
little short you know, statements that teach us wisdom. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from a cra cracks in a wall. He could speak about animals, birds, small creatures, fish. And here's the interesting thing. Kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. I want you to picture that. That means in Solomon's day and age, people traveled to get to hear him speak. It's kind of like if you had a favorite speaker, communicator, maybe a self-help person or somebody who you thought inspired you. Uh, I don't know who, you know who's big speakers nowadays, but maybe Tony Robbins or somebody. I don't know what you're into. But if you were to go to a conference because you wanted to hear this person speak on business or um, life or relationships— because they had good things to say. That was Solomon in his day. People traveled. People sent dignitaries from all over the world around him because he was known for so much wisdom that they wanted to get in the room and hear what he had to say. So that's pretty incredible. Now, we saw a moment ago that he wrote thousands of Proverbs. And they are compiled into a book that's in our Hebrew scriptures. It's called the Book of Proverbs. And we're going to study the book of Proverbs today. Now, when I say we're going to study the book of Proverbs today, I need to make a disclaimer. We are not going to do a deep dive into Proverbs today, because if I did that on Sunday morning every week for a while, it would take two years or better to really study Proverbs very well. It is so chock full of good content. So today we're not going to do any deep dives or we'd be here forever. We're going to do a flyover we're going to do a flyby. We're going to zoom down a little bit and glance at a few passages. And we're going to do in one day what could take us a couple years of deep study. So I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at you. You've been warned. It's, just that, it's that kind of Sunday on our journey. We have to cover Proverbs. And I just, I'm going to dump it all on you now. So thank you and you're welcome. All right. So <clears throat> um, just to, for those who care about structure, let me begin by saying that uh, Proverbs is broken down into three parts. And this will help some, somebody, you're going to learn this right now. This will help you even if you've been in church a long time. Um, Proverbs is broken down into three sections. There are 31 chapters of Proverbs, 31 chapters, the, it, broken into three categories. The first section, chapters 1 through 9, is long-form writing. This is Solomon writing long form, and let me just tell you who he's writing to. He explains that his Proverbs are for anyone who wants to hear, those who would travel far and wide to hear from him. But he was especially writing to his own children. And believe me, Solomon had lots of children. We'll see that in another week or so here. But Solomon had like kids, and um, he was writing to his own children, especially his sons, because one of them would be the next king, just like Solomon became the king when his dad passed away. And he thought maybe his son Rehoboam would be the next king, but you never know if something could happen to him. So he wants his sons to be prepared to fill in his shoes one day. But it's to all his children, sons and daughters, and anyone else who's listening. And he writes about all sorts of stuff in long form. Like, for example, he makes wisdom into a woman personified, a woman who's saying in the streets, hey, let me help you, come get wisdom, and, and, and don't... Don't neglect this. And he just writes about this beautifully. Now, after the first nine chapters of long-form writing, there's a pivot in Proverbs. Chapters 10 through 24 are the short sayings. These are the fortune cookie-sized sayings. You know what I'm saying? The little ones that you open up, and it's like a little quick nugget of gold, nugget of wisdom. 
little sound bite of, of useful information. That's the majority of Proverbs, the short sayings. They're all over the place. They, sometimes they string together. Sometimes they're diverse from one verse to the next. And then the last few chapters is, is another category. Chapters 25 through 31 are called later compilations. And what I mean by that is that this section here is um, Solomon completed his Proverbs and kind of made a book of them. But several generations later, generations later, another king in Israel named Hezekiah compiled more of Solomon's Proverbs that weren't included in the initial collection, and he added them to it, as well as two other authors, a king named Agur and a king named Lemuel. He takes all of their writing and he adds it to the collection of Proverbs and makes it longer. So those three categories, the long form and the short sayings, and the later editions all make up the book of Proverbs. And for some of you, that is just a, a structure that you may have not heard before, even if you've read the book. I'd encourage you to let that make sense as you read through it next time. Now, I want to, before I get into some verses, I want to encourage everyone here to read Proverbs. At least once, if not over and over. I'll tell you why. It's golden. So, I don't know if you like to read books by people on business or industry or investing or self-help or relationships. I love to read good books that will improve my life. Maybe you do as well. And I love a good new book, a new author, but I also appreciate the classics, right? There are some classics out there. Like, for example, a few decades ago, Stephen Covey wrote the, the famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And that's a classic. That's, that's uh, as timeless and, and real today as it was decades ago. Or before that, uh, Dale Carnegie wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. Phenomenal book. There are books that are just, are just good even still today. And if you want to read some classic material that will help your life be better, I recommend Proverbs. Think about this. 3,000 years ago, this material was compiled by a man who was so known for his wisdom that people traveled from all over the world around him to get in the same room and listen to him teach them and talk about life. And that guy writes down Proverbs that we have 3,000 years later in our hands I mean, read, read all the new stuff, but don't miss this content because it's that good. So I'd encourage you to read it for yourself. I know people who read a chapter a day, about 31 chapters means every month they, they finish the, the, the Proverbs and start over again. I know others who their goal is to simply read a couple verses at a time until something grabs them that they want to think about, and they'll just meditate on that throughout the next day, and then the following day pick up where they left off one verse or two or three verses at a time, for a slow journey through. But whatever you do, I'd encourage you to check out Proverbs for yourself. It's full of great material. Now, I'm gonna dive into a little bit of it. We're gonna start with that first section, the long form writing, and look at a few things in there. Beginning in chapter one and verse one, let's begin. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. As interesting as he says, these books, these things will give you wisdom and self-discipline. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. Isn't that what we all want, by the way? To live successful lives. To help them do what is right and just and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Now, the words simple and young there are used similarly, and I'll tie them together in just a moment because there's an explanation there. 
Uh, let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. That wise people listen to wise things and listen to wise people and they become wiser still. A wise thing to do is to seek wisdom. Now, if you read the book of Proverbs, you'll see that, the, that Solomon references four categories of people. Four categories of people or types of people over and over again. And I want, I want you to know what they are so when you read the book, it'll make sense to you. The first kind of person he references is the wise, the wise person. The wise person is described as somebody who hears, you know, truth or instruction or something about life, and they say, oh, that's, that's helpful, that's good, I need that, that's going to direct my life. They take it and they apply it to their lives. They hear the knowledge, but it doesn't just knowledge or understanding, it's applied wisdom. It, it changes how they live. It affects how they do day by day. That's the wise person. The next person he mentions is the fool. The fool is someone who also hears, they get the knowledge, but they dismiss it. They're like, I don't care about that. I don't got time for that. Well, that's fine, but I don't care if that will make my life better or if this will make my life worse, whatever. It's my life, I'll do what I wanna do. And you know, so just, I dismiss instruction. I dismiss the things that I, I don't care to hear because I'm gonna do me. So the wise person hears, and the fool, they both hear, they both have knowledge. They can both say, yeah, yeah, I've heard it all before. But the wise person says, yeah, I've heard it before, and I'm going to apply it. The fool dismisses it. The next category of person in Proverbs is the simple person. The simple person is someone who just doesn't know. They don't know yet. They just don't know. And, and that's why they mentioned the young earlier, because at some point, everyone's young. Uh, we have a little baby back here uh, in the back. Uh, Debbie's little Ian is back here. Uh, uh, we had a little, a little baby, uh, Killian, here last service. And I was saying, when these little babies were little, I remember being a young parent. And um, my, my, when my baby was, my kids were little, I would have to help um, keep them from hurting themselves by, by, for things like the light socket. You put your finger in the light socket or your fork in the light socket, bad stuff happens. But they don't know that. They, didn't, they weren't well-versed in electricity and all the matters of science. They just knew that there was a little spot there that looks like it needs something put inside of it, you know? They're just simple, they don't know. But we knew, so we would protect them from it. Now at some point, as they got older, we told them that's dangerous, and we explained that to them, and they learned that. At some point, that's your own fault if you put something in a light socket. If you're like older and you're like, hey y'all, check this out, you know, that's on you. You're not a simple, you're a fool now. At, at some stage in our life, we're all simple. Right? Like we're, whether we're children, teens, young adults, middle-aged people, there's things of life that we just don't know about yet. But at some point when the knowledge comes our way, we can take it and become wise by applying it or fools by dismissing it. And you can't stay simple. You can't say, well, I know, I don't want to be a fool, so I'm just going to not listen. La, 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 la. No, by, by default, at some point, we get moved into being wise people or foolish people. The last kind of person mentioned in Proverbs is the mocker. The mocker is the fool, but it doesn't just say, I'm dismissing instruction and wisdom. I'm doing what I want because I don't care. The mocker actually makes fun of instruction and the instructor and all the people who, who, who you know, they don't, in truth, it just mocks it, mocks those people, finds the, the, the weak spots and the things that are easy to make fun of and the inconsistencies of others and tears it down and to make themselves feel better about their foolishness or to maybe pull others into their orbit to, to join them. I don't know what the motivation is, but the mocker goes beyond just living foolishly. They mock and they scorn, and this world is full of mockers, right? There's a dime a dozen to find people that mock and tear down at things that are true and useful because 
we wanted to be dismissive. And, and Solomon warns there's no good ending for a mocker. And there's not much of a good ending for a fool. So, don't, so, so, so if we're simple, as we learn and as we grow, become wise. And that's what the book of Proverbs is talking about a lot. In your journey of life as you grow, grow. At some point we should keep growing. I'll read you a few passages from these first nine chapters. Uh, my, my life verse, I've always said my life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I love that. Here's another great passage from chapter 3. Uh, he, he says something very interesting that I want to take a minute or two to apply. In, in verse 11, he says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline don't be upset when he corrects you. Now, it's very easy for us to be upset when we are corrected. No one enjoys being corrected. It's easy for us to be just like, you know, back off. You know, if you, no one's going to control me or tell me or judge me. And correction can make us very hostile. I remember being young and always being hostile to correction. And then at some point in my life, I, I thought of something one day that I hadn't before. And I, I got better, then I got worse. And I got better, and it's kind of a journey. But I remember beginning to realize one day that correction is awesome. If I want to be wise, if I want to grow, and I'm not doing something right, if I'm not on a good path, I don't want to end up in the wrong spot. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I want to be better. So correction is, is a good thing. And that people who correct us, they may be haters, but they may be, they may be the, the people who love you most. They're not all hostile. Oftentimes they're the best people who care about you. And so whether it's a teacher or a coach or a parent or a spiritual leader or a friend in your friend circle who is just willing to speak truth into your life, you look at those people and say, thank you. And, and, and whether it's God himself, some people get mad at God because it's like, man, God doesn't let me get away with anything. Other people do what they want and there's no consequences. I do what I want and I feel bad about it. I lose sleep or something happens and I feel like God doesn't let me get away with it. Hey, that's a good thing. Don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. Why? Verse 12 says, because the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. This is the secret to it all, is understanding that the people who care about my outcomes, they love me, they're for me. That's not a bad thing. And so if I get correction, I'm like, good. So here's let me just, this, this little simple thing is so easy and yet so hard. It's hard because we don't want to, our pride gets in the way, but it's so easy. It's as easy as flipping a switch in our brain. I'm just speaking from my own experience. It's as easy as flipping a switch in our mindset. Instead of saying, who do you think you are? How dare you? You're a hater. You're a hostile. It's saying instead, hey, I want to be my best self. I want to hear that. What if they're a hater and they're saying things, to, you know, correcting me? Well, if they're a hater and, and, and their input makes me better, joke's on them, you know, because I'm better for it. But if they're a friend, if they're someone who cares, if it's the Lord, if it's someone who, who cares about me, who loves me, I want to say thank you. Thank you for helping me get where I'm trying to get to, which is to my best self. And I can always hear something without being upset at hearing it. So that's just good input, but it takes, a, it takes a flip of a switch. It's so easy and yet so hard. But it's a heart issue, and our heart is everything. In fact, in chapter 4, verse 23, he says, guard your heart above all else, because it's going to determine the course of your life. So our heart, if our heart gets bitter and nasty and sideways, we're just going to end up on a path we didn't mean to be on. Now, I know that some of you are sitting here, and if you're paying attention to the, what I'm going through, you might be thinking, Arlen, 
You said that the first nine chapters were long-form writing, but those sound like cookie cutters to me. Those sound like little short nuggets to me. Where's the long-form writing in chapters one through nine? Well, I didn't read those to you because it would take us 30 minutes. But I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna read one little passage of long-form writing to you. And so get ready for it. And it's pretty juicy, okay? Because Solomon speaks for like three chapters to his kids about watching out for people who wanna pull you down immorally through sexual immorality or indulgence that you shouldn't get involved in. And he talks about the dangers of people who will wreck you through, through your sexual behavior. And in chapter seven, he tells a long story about, in this case, a woman who actually is a married woman who is pursuing and uh, seducing a young man to sleep with her. And, and he's saying, watch out. And, he, and he's not picking on women here because it applies to men too. He's speaking to all his children, but he's sp speaking to his sons specifically saying, watch out for that kind of woman. By the way, girls, watch out for that kind of guy because there are people out there who would pull you into something that will harm you. So he tells a long story. And so you can see the long form writing. I'm gonna read a portion for you right now. Let's dig in. Proverbs 7, 6. While I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain. I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed in sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She's often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner, she threw her arms around him and kissed him. And with a brazen look, she said, I've just made my peace offerings and have fulfilled my vows. In other words, I'm, I'm a good person. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you, and here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with covered sheets of Egyptian linen. Ooh. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses. For my husband is not home. Yikes. He has gone away on a long trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him, and he won't return until later this month. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once, like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your hearts stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. To quote Lindsay for a moment, the tea, that's what she said, the tea, right? Oh my goodness. Um, this passage is like one of those spots where he's just saying, look, sons, watch out for that kind of woman. And my girls, watch out for that kind of man who will sweet talk you and tell you what you want to hear because he wants to get somewhere and push past your boundaries and not respect them and, and make you think you're going to lose him or, 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 or seduce you with his sweet talk or her sweet talk to a spot that you'll do things that can change and alter the rest of your life based upon their outcome that can be part of your story's biggest regrets in the future. But you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about the right now. Be careful. That's an example of Solomon's long-form writing, okay? 
There you go. Now, we're going to move into the next section of Proverbs at this time. We're going to jump out of the first nine chapters into the short sayings, into the cookie cutter stuff, or cookie cutter, the fortune cookie stuff, the little nuggets of sound bites of wisdom. It begins in chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise child brings joy to a father, a foolish child brings grief to a mother. Can I just say something about this verse here before we move on? That's so true right there. That um, it doesn't matter if your parent is a good parent or your parents were good parents or terrible parents. This is true. They could have been like absentee father, absentee mother, or it could be like, a, like they're just lost in their own things and not really involved in it with you. Or they could have been like mean even. Good parent or bad parent or anywhere in between. It's just true. A wise child, even the worst parent out there gets so much joy when they see their children grow up and they make something of themselves or, or do well. They're like, wow, I'm proud of that. And even a terrible parent let alone a good parent, is, is hurt when they see their child wrecked upon bad choices of life. It just tears at them. And, and I, knew this, I knew these truths when I was little, but as I've gotten older, I understand more than ever, and so do you, and so many of you, and so will all of us one day, that there's nothing that impacts our parents' lives more than how we're doing as we, as we grow up. That's the thing that keeps them up at night. It's the thing that makes them lose sleep in the middle of the night, weeping tears of joy or tears of sorrow, whatever it may be. A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. So Proverbs proceeds to, to cover a lot of topics, and I have no time to go into each topic of the fortune cookie section here. Instead, I'm going to just give you a handful of topics real fast, and then we'll be done with that. My fear is that if I give you those handful of topics, someone's going to think, oh, I know what it's all about. I don't need to read it. No, you don't. This is a, a, a flyby. Here's a few choice topics from the fortune cookie section of Proverbs. One topic is how relationships impact our lives. By that I mean how that good relationships bring um, the best out of us. They put us in a good orbit with people who are striving to be their best. They make us be our best. They get us around people who, who inspire us to, to greatness. But bad relationships, whether they're romantic relationships or whether they're just friend circles, bad friendships will pull us down bad paths and put us in bad mindsets and bad thinking and um, bring the worst out of us in our future. And there's so many verses about how relationships impact our lives. I'll give you just one. Proverbs 13, 20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. In other words, if I hang around with wise people, they're going to help me excel and be my best self. I want to be around people that bring the best out and inspire me to greatness and to wholesome relationships and to being a wholesome person. But when you hang around with fools, well, that is the whole opposite effect. Like I learned a long time ago, I don't have to drive off a cliff to crash. I could be the passenger in the car of the guy who's driving off the cliff. You know what I'm saying? You hang around people and you get in trouble with them. And so watch, watch, watch where you walk. Our relationships will impact. Or as we always say here to our young people, your friendships will determine the direction and the quality of your life. Another big idea in taught in Proverbs is financial responsibility. Oh, so much is said about how that we should not look for get-rich-quick schemes because those almost never work out, and when they do, they usually get squandered. Almost never happen. But instead, that we, we work hard, and we, we, we work, and we make, and we earn, and we save. We don't squander or spend it all. We save it away, and then we invest it in, in time. Not right away, but it, makes, it, it gets us where we want to get to, that we should budget ourselves, know where our money's going. There's so much written about financial responsibility. Here's one example in Proverbs 27, 23. Know the state of your flocks. Put your heart into caring for your herds. To, speaking to people who 
took care of livestock. That was their wealth. Know where your assets are. Know where yourself, know, know what you have in the account and have, it bud, have it the, 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 balance, uh, the budget balanced. I mean, know what's going on with your income. Why? For riches don't last forever and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. In other words, things happen in life that can upheaval your plan and if you don't have a plan, you can get caught off guard by the unexpected things that happen in life. He talks a lot about work ethic. A lot. And I'm going to give you like the shortest verse in Proverbs today. It is so short. Like it's so before I do, let me just tell you, he says a lot about work ethic that's not so short. He talks about how that you can go to the ant and how the ant spends the whole summer gathering more than it needs. Why would it gather more than it needs? Because it's storing up for winter because the day's going to come and it's going to need to have some things laid up. Or how they can go by the field or the house of the lazy person and it's all torn down and unkempt. But in the middle of all of this, he gives us the shortest proverb about work ethic. I'll read it for you now. Proverbs 10.4. Lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. <laughs> You're welcome. That's it. Um, so, but he says this stuff over and over again about work ethic. He talks about self-control. Self-control is a big topic, whether it's pleasures that we want to indulge in or food that we want to eat that, that can take a, a bad toll on our physical health or drinking or substance abuse or sexuality. Um, there's all sorts of things we can indulge in that that right now feel great, but later there's longer-term consequences that catch up to us. Or, or self-control can be our anger or our emotions that we don't hold in check, whether it's pleasures or indulgences or, or emotions that we don't have control over. A lack of self-control brings harm. And I don't have time to read all of those verses to you. Let me give you one generic one here. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 25, 28, he says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. This is interesting. Like if a, a city does not have walls that are functioning around it and um, the walls, it might not matter on a peaceful time, but when conflict and hard times come their way, probably trouble's gonna happen. And you might have self-control in some part of your life and on a day-by-day -day basis, it might feel like it's no big deal. But when, when, when things happen down the line, boy, I'll tell you, we're not ready to, to face the hard parts of life if we have not figured out to control ourselves. He talks about generosity. Generosity is a big idea. For example, there's so much written about this. Proverbs 11, verse 24 says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. By the way, does that seem backwards to you? Like if I give freely, if I give freely, won't I be less wealthy? And if I'm holding back in the stingy, won't I have more? But this is one of those many paradoxes. There's so many paradoxes of life that we can spend a whole Sunday talking about. This is one of them. That when we give freely, we become more wealthy. When we're stingy, we lose everything. That open-handedness gets us further than clenched-fistedness. He says that the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will refresh themselves be refreshed. Another topic we've already mentioned before is being teachable. This is a big one. Like, don't get mad when people correct you. That, that people who who succeed in life, crave growth. They crave instruction. They, they don't consider it hostile. They consider it helpful. And even if it comes from a, a difficult source, they're grateful because they, we want to grow and, and, and be our best selves. There's so much about this topic. One verse, Proverbs 15, 32, says if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. You only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. 
And then one more topic in this section, and uh, we'll move on from here. Um, that is the weight of our words. Oh, he talks about the weight of our words. There's so much here, I can't get into it all. He says things like, gossips destroy people. Gossips tear down other people's lives first that they're gossiping about. Then they end up harming the people that they gossip to. It's like a poison to that person. And in the end, they harm themselves by destroying their own reputation. That when a gossip is done, everyone back to themselves suffers because of it. He talks about how those are people who love drama, who go to one friend and say, hey, I'm with you, and put the other person down. Then go to the other person and say, I'm with you, and put the other person down and play the game. And, or, or those who are just mean with their words and harsh and tear people down with what they say. He says, watch out. We are not innocent. It's easy to say, I didn't mean anything by it. Those are just words. But words are weighty, and you and I know words are weighty because other people's words to us always feel weighty, don't they? So when we have words of our own to turn around and say, well, my words don't mean anything. I, I didn't mean any harm. Well, they, they harm. Our words are weighty. And so he says a lot about this, and I don't have time to cover most of it, but here's a few verses from one chapter. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Verse 4, gentle words are a tree that gives life, or a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And then in verse 28, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking, but the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. And what he's saying is two things. First of all, Understand that your words are weighty and you can give life. There's death and life in the power of the tongue. So speak life. But he also says, before that, think before you speak. There are people that just say, well, that's not how I am, Arlen. I just say what I'm thinking. That's just what I do. I just say what I'm thinking and, you know, figure it out later. That's a bad, that's a bad excuse. That's like we're being proud of a bad you know, that's like me saying, I just kill people. That's just what I do. I just kill people because that's just how I am, you know. It's like, if it's a bad idea, don't do it, you know. So, hey, think before we talk how it will affect. And when we do speak, are we building or tearing down? Are we giving life or are we harming? And so, those are some topics. And that's not near all of them. That's just a little smattering you ought to read Proverbs. Now, I'm gonna get, before I wrap up in a few minutes here, I want to give you one more passage to read. I told you that Proverbs is long-form writing, then it's the short fortune cookie sayings, and then the end of it is a section that was compiled later that includes writing by two other authors, Agur and Lemuel, both kings. And I don't have time to read those chapters either, but I want to read a little bit from chapter 31. This is King Lemuel and what he has to say. Notice his words with me. Proverbs 31, the last chapter of Proverbs, the sayings of King Lemuel contain this message which his mother taught him. This is brilliant. King Lemuel said, I've gotten where I've gotten today because I had an awesome mama. She, she spoke into my life, she helped me, and, and she taught me some things that have guided my path. And he's passing them on in this chapter. What did his mama teach him? She said, oh my son, oh son of my womb, oh son of my vows, do not waste your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. And then she says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol. For if they drink, they may forget the law and not give justice to the oppressed. What she says to him is this. There's, there's two things that have ruined many a man or many a person. 
women and whiskey, okay? She says, listen, your relationship with women and your relationship with wine can have a big impact on your future. And if you have an unhealthy relationship with those two things, watch out what can happen down the path. And she says, listen, you're a king. You've got greatness in your future, but that stuff can take you down a path that will hijack everything you hope will happen if you don't have a right relationship with these things. In fact, she continues and says, alcohol is for the dying, and wine is for those in bitter distress. Let them drink to forget their poverty, to remember their troubles no more. She says, if you've got nothing else to live for, but if you have aspirations and goals in life, don't waste your money and your time and your energy and your mental well-being and your, and your uh, life on, on women or alcohol that, you can't, that you're not in control of your interactions. Don't be that person because it will impact you. Then she says in verse 8, um, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those being crushed. This is so beautiful. His mama says, listen, when you become king, don't only not let other things derail your future because of your lack of, of self-control, but on top of that, when you get where you're going, you use your platform to speak up for the oppressed. And this is good advice for all of us today, by the way. All of this is good advice for all of us today, quite honestly. But, but this right here, that when you have station in life, when you get money, when you get financially successful, when you get a position of influence or power, when things happen in your life, don't get to the spot where as you get there, you take the advantage of that platform to further enrich yourselves. But rather use that station of your life to help those who are mistreated. We should all be defenders of the oppressed. We should all be seekers of justice. And she says to her son, that's what good leadership does. She says, yes, speak up for the poor and the helpless and see that they get justice. What a way to live. Now, then she says in verse 10, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. And she's talking to her son. And in the rest of the chapter, she describes this woman that we refer to today as the virtuous woman. It's a, it's a template, it's an amazing template for an amazing person. And we're not going to read it. There's no time for us to read it today. But you ought to read it. It's not just for women. It's good for men. Like if you read the, the section of a virtuous woman, whether you're a man or a woman, and just practice what it says about how to be industrious and how to be hardworking, how to care for others around you, how to be trustworthy, you get to the spot in the end where people someday look at you, whether they're friends or family members, and say, that person has been a rock and a solid person in my life because they've lived that way. You'll make an impact if you can be the kind of person talked about as virtuous in Proverbs 31. So read it for yourself when you have a chance. It's beautiful. So I'm going to wrap this up. I told you, I told you we're throwing the kitchen sink at you today, didn't I? <sighs> I'm tired. That was like 31 chapters of Proverbs flown over in a, in a jet that deserves two years of, of, of focused treatment. But you can read it for yourself. So here's my two pieces of advice. Number one, read Proverbs. Again, 3,000 years ago, a man known for his wisdom, who people traveled all across the world to get in the same room as him, wrote down his, his thoughts. And it's still practical today. So read it. Read a chapter a day or read just a couple verses a day and think about them. But let this be part of your life's rhythm. The book of Proverbs. My next piece of advice that I'll close with is this. I want you to ask yourself a question. This is a question that you ought to ask yourself regularly. It's a question that I've taught before through the years uh, to the young people, my, uh, our children, and uh, to the people of the church. And the, this is the question that every one of us ought to wrestle down. It's so big. 
take a picture of it, write it down, is a question you ought to ask yourself day by day, a question you ought to ask yourself decision by decision. It goes like this. What is the wise thing to do? It's that simple. What is the, everything that you encounter, every day you encounter, every decision, whether it's a job opportunity or a, or a, a, a thing to do in your, in your field of work or whether it's a, a problem that comes your way and presents itself or a relationship crisis that you're in or a temptation that you're facing. It doesn't matter what opportunity or temptation or problem or relationship issue or, or, or decision that you're about to make to, to, to change your life or to, to impact a, 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 an opportunity. Always step back from the moment and decision by decision, ask yourself, what's the wise thing to do here? And as simple as it is, just that little process, that little life hack right there will do so much to keep you from making a decision brashly where you're not looking at where it's going to take you later, but just looking at the immediate. We always, we always I say it all the time, we always bend over and look at the immediate effects of our decisions. You know, right now this sounds good to me. Right now this feels better to me. Right now this is what I want. But do we straighten up and take the long look and say, what is this going to take me? And so the wise person steps back from the moment and says, before I make a decision in any area, what's the wise thing to do? Now you may be saying, Arlen, I don't know what the wise thing to do is. That's the problem. Here's another question that's not on the screen, but it's another question you can write this down and this could help you with this first question. Another question you can ask is, what would a wise person do? So probably there's someone in your life that you consider to be a wise person, or at least in some area. Maybe it's a business decision. What would this person I look up to in this business, what would they do? Maybe it's a relationship decision. What's somebody whose relationships I admire, what would they do? Maybe it's a character decision. Find someone you respect in that arena that you look up to that you believe is wise and say, if they were in my shoes, what would they do? Because that's the path to the same first question. If you know the answer to that, then you know what is the wise thing to do. And if we do the wise thing moment by moment, we will not only avoid so much hardship, but we will accelerate our own success. And as Proverbs said at the beginning, these things are written for us to have successful lives. You know what I want for all of you today? I want you to have successful lives. But learn to ask yourself in the heat of the moment, in the opportunity of the day, what is the wise thing to do? Because that is wise. And that is how you become wise in the first place. It's how you stay wise. And it's how you show your wisdom to others. So that was a lot. We nerded out a little bit today, maybe not too deeply, but for a lot for one Sunday. But we're going to get into some more stories and adventures and stuff in the weeks to come. But today I wanted to, I want you to know what, what the book of Proverbs is in case you've never heard of it before or even read it before. Or perhaps you've read it before, but it, it seems like a lot of information to you. I hope that somewhere in there was not only informative, but something spoke to your situation, something spoke to your heart, something spoke to your journey of life to be successful, to be wise.